to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, for a full hour where we journey together away from the burdens of our everyday life, far above the confines of this world, into and beyond our imagination outside of our heads, under the radar. We escape together. We are free, if but momentarily, together. Oh, what a strange adventure it is. Come with me. Oh, I've got so much to share with you today. I just can't wait to get started, so I probably won't wait to get started. I've never been a person like that. Sometimes what I do is I'll ask for something, uh, for my birthday. I'll say, I'd like this thing. And by the time I get it out of my mouth, I've already ordered it. I have it in my hand and I'm tired of it. And so I don't even need it. You don't need to get me anything because I've already received everything I need because I'm so impatient. So I get ahead of myself a little bit in time. And sometimes I like to go back into the past to savor it a little more. That's why I'll save my food for really what is longer than is safe and go back to re-experience it. Sometimes I'll go into the future. Who knows where we'll go next together? I think I'll watch TV. It seems to comfort me. So much there is to see, drama and comedy. Oh, a superhero movie. I'll pay the rental fee to fly vicariously. It's someone else to be when I'm tired of being me. And that's a kind of free. Oh. Oh, I like this one. It's called Pinkhas the Zealot. I help world judge! Judger of worlds! He's too strong! I can't hold him! You've got to try! I've lost my power! I've got part of a slime cake! Here, catch! Got Prepare it! Prepare to be judged! Prepare to fall over! You are in the realm of the Five Lords. We are the Five Lords. That sounds like a 50s gang. We are not a 50s gang. All right. We are a council of great judges. All right. You were about to destroy the world, Judge, and we cannot let you do that. Hey, are you on his side? He murdered Scarfman. There are no sides in this, and we do not condone the murder of Scarfman. But this is not the time or place in which World Judge meets his end. Someone has changed the timelines. Events have been altered, but by whom we do not know. Who could do such a thing and why? Ah, uh, yes, uh, this is uh, Butchie Spinoza. I uh, brought in a pair of shoes to uh, Yins to get fixed five years ago, and I was wondering if they was ready. All right, I'll hold. Hey, Butchie, I found those old high school business cards. Okay. They look just like I remember with the fancy script. Calling cards, not business cards. What did I say? Uh, yes. Oh, okay, they'll be ready next Tuesday. Thanks. What do you want these for, anyway? I'm going into the time brokerage business. The time machine is just sitting there since we decided not to use it because it's dangerous. And I thought, while we're waiting, let's put it to use to make some money. You think so far outside the box, you probably can't even see the box where you are. 
So I get people outcomes they want in the past or future for a fee. Seems like a lot of math. they found under the pier. What's with him? Well, that looks like a mugging except for one thing. He had a pretty good bubble on his finger. A wedding ring with a half-carat stone. We had it appraised for $200. <laughs> Some diamond probably wouldn't scratch that. I got a hunch that it's more than a mugging. Let me hold on to it for a couple more days. You got anything solid? I got a feeling. I got a hunch. Dump it, Dennis. I'll tell you, this Rockford, this Rockford, he's chapping my ass. When I took this job, I thought this department had some class. Oh, Butchie, I think you accidentally just made something called Cop Rockford. Hello? Uh, Hardy White. Who is this? Cohen? On the telephone? Yes, I assumed. You want to speak to Shelley Berman or Bob Newhart? I'm afraid they're not here right now. You need what? A carpenter to fix the shutter. Oh, you need a carpenter to fix the shutter. I think you have the wrong number. No, no, I never said I invented the one-sided telephone bit. You're thinking of someone else. No, I realize these things are old and evolve and it's impossible to pinpoint the origin of some art. Yes. Yes, I realize I'm repeating verbatim everything you say, but this is a radio show. And if I just said, yes, uh-huh, my listeners wouldn't understand what I was doing. Yes, I realize that as it is, they don't understand what I'm doing, but that's a chance I take. So, what's new with you? 
Oh, yes. I also enjoyed Partha Mitra's article in Scientific American. His points about the muriological fallacy in neuroscience research and the lack of acknowledgement of evolution when describing function is something I've been thinking about for a while. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Biology isn't the only thing plagued by teleological assumptions. Art ascribes purpose to techniques and ideas that we've inherited and which, in and of themselves, may simply be tangential and meaningless vis-a-vis -vis survival. Right, and communication. Right, it's to generate feelings. Don't we get that wrong about evolution, though, ascribing purpose to everything, when in fact a trait may not contribute anything to survival? It simply may just not be fatal, and so it endures. Uh-huh. And what I'm saying is that in art, there are conventions that serve no purpose, but which we have become used to, so that we look for them and use them to identify what is art and what isn't. Who are you talking to? Oh, Cohen, on the telephone. The comedy monologue from the 1900s? Yeah. You're speaking to an idea? He's speaking to a meme in the darkened sense of the word. Right. Right. So to be clear, I'm not your landlord, so I can't send a carpenter to fix the shutter. No, no problem. It was wonderful talking to you, too. By the way, Jack Benny and Firesign Theater are at the back door looking for a handout.
every singer dies. You creep me out. Stop telling people you're my dad. Oh, hello, my friends. So much has already happened in the show. It seems that Butchie has gotten hold of the time machine, and he's using it to try to make money. And in so doing, he has changed television and the telephone inadvertently. Well, maybe not inadvertently, carelessly, thoughtlessly. He literally didn't think about it because he doesn't care. Oh, what's going to happen? He's made a terrible error. You don't just go playing around with the time machine like that, or do you? You'll notice that some of the sounds that you heard in the first few minutes may have been from what you refer to as previous shows. I don't see it that way. I see things not going forward or backward. Sometimes something you've already heard won't have any point until the future because it's stolen from the future. So let's say I do an ultimate show. It might happen in a few years. And you'll listen to it and you'll say, I heard all those parts in previous years. Are you saying that Simon and Garfunkel's best album is the best of Simon and Garfunkel? Well, sometimes that's true. But let's say... That's just an example because time is very difficult to understand. I'm taking a class now, and uh, it's self-directed. And I'm watching really just YouTube videos by people that say they know what they're talking about. And I feel like they do. I decide that ahead of time, preemptively. We do that when we go to college. We say, I trust that this university has hired nothing but competent people to teach these classes. Well, not all the classes are taught by people. In the future, some of them will be taught by AI. And uh, what's that? Gosh, it's just a small part of the longer I-I-I-I, which is, uh, ooh, someday. But that's a, maybe that's not terrible. You know, it would be, everything seems to be up for grabs right now. Reality seems to be up for grabs. I'd like to make a shot at it. I think if everything is going to start anew and say we need a different kind of logic that's not based on anything or a different way of seeing the world that's not based on observations or testing it or anything like that, I'd say, hey, I'm way ahead of you. And what I would like to do is do a sort of collage of the past. We'll just make something up based on things that have already happened. We'll layer them one upon the other, and eventually the lower layers will rot away. And so we'll have something that's built on the foundation of something that doesn't exist. Now, uh, I'm, re I'm just starting to read a book on kings, not the book of the Bible, but kings, the people with crowns, by uh, David Graeber, who's dead, and another fellow whose name I can't remember who's alive, isn't that ironic? Because one of them doesn't need any publicity. Oh, I wish I could do it. You're yelling it on the, on the message board. Don't. Some things are mysterious. Look, there's a reason a lot of people prefer the Latin Catholic Mass. Then they can't hear anything. Say, oh, you know, God commanded you to do this. In Latin? You know, I didn't, I didn't, it sounded wonderful. I didn't know what he was saying. So you can have plausible deniability. Also, foreign languages just sound nice. I know for a while there in the 70s, Presbyterians toyed with having their entire service in Ubba Dubba. And they said it would lend some mystery to an otherwise very bland and boring sort of uh, 
theology, or at least in practice, you know, those services. Oh, my goodness, they can be dry. And a lot of churches have said, we've entered, that's why we introduced big screens and rock bands in our churches that are in empty anchor stores of dead malls. I see that. That's fantastic. I never thought I'd see something like that in my lifetime because I thought I'd, if that happened, I would, I would, you know, I would choose to exit stage right or something. But I'm, I'm going to tough it out because I'm fascinated. That's what's keeping me alive, really, is a sick fascination. No. And a love, love. I'm attached by love to all of you, even ones of you I don't know very well. I just have uh, bonds. That's all. Just like you with uh, stocks and bonds, I call them, because it's like having your head in one of those wooden sandwich boards where they trap you in the 18th century. They go, or maybe it's 17th. Say, so we, you know, put you in the town square with your head through one of those wooden things, which you can still get done in some of these tourist towns. So this is, isn't this fun? This is what we used to do to people. It's funny when torture devices become symbols. Isn't it? Every Christian is saying, tell me about it. It is strange. Uh, but what a wacky world we live in. And uh, I just want to lend comfort. Hey, I don't know. I don't know why the road is like that. But I will give you a pillow. What? If you're in the car and it's bumpy and it's, oh, okay. So I'm trying to comfort and help in my way. And I realize it's very small. But I bring what I can to the family school dinner. I remember one time there was a, a elementary school dinner I went to, and it was international. You're supposed to bring, bring, because it's a very diverse elementary school, they thought, let's everybody bring a dish from their, from their background. And uh, this is in Kentucky. And yes, people from Kentucky brought Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I thought that was wonderful. Uh, and there you go. Because you're being honest. But there's some wonderful dishes. And that went well with, with fava beans and things like that. You wouldn't think it would. But I love to have a feast. Of it. I don't look down on anybody's uh, things that bring them joy. That's not true. I do and I don't. Not at buffets, I don't. <laughs> I don't look down at people. That's not the time or place to do it, really. What's this you've brought? So everything has... I have to kind of explain everything I say. I don't. I remember I was listening to a Will Rogers routine. Is that possible? He was this uh, comedian, I guess mainly on the radio, but he kind of wore a cowboy hat and he was kind of every man. And he said, "Never met a man I didn't like" or something like that. No, that's exactly what he said. And uh, so he was just sort of stand up for the vaudeville era. And I had an album that was. Um, other, it was a bunch of 20 songs. It was like, falling in love again, or something. And then it was uh, all this, a couple comedy routines. And one of them was Will Rogers. And he was doing some jokes. And I thought, oh, you know, never met a man I didn't like. I don't know about that. And then he said, this is a shocking, weird thing. He said, uh, they say in the, see this in the newspapers. He invented that. Did you see this? Will Rogers is, did you see I never met a man I didn't like? In the newspapers, the Ku Klux Klan's coming to New York City. And if you think I'm going to say something about that, you're wrong. <laughs> something like that. Something hor horrifically cowardly. 
I said, man, if you're all way over there in Oklahoma or wherever the hell you're pretending to be from, and you don't have the uh, <laughs> you don't have the guts to say something, it was really strange. And I thought, well, no, he just these people who want to be liked, that's the problem. So uh, I try not to be to be liked, but I don't. But I don't want to do it by. Uh, I don't want to be not be liked because of cruelty or anything like that. I want you to not like me because something just doesn't like, ugh, God, it's, it just gets, get, I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way. I can't say, oh, he seems nice. No, people with Mr. Rogers bother people like that, too. I can't put my finger on it. And he was an eccentric individual. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not disparaging him. A wonderful, lovely man, but an odd character. So he was one of his Presbyterian minister. So that's just like being, that's like saying, I'm a circus clown. And also, no, not really. Love you. Bless you all. And then, uh, but he swam in the nude every day, which is also fine. But that doesn't seem to, people don't mention it a lot because it doesn't seem consistent. So I say, oh, I don't know. He, uh, and, but I don't, I don't like spreading rumors about him doing something inconsistent with his uh, moral beliefs, though. And there's nothing immoral about swimming in a pool uh, indoor pool in the nude every day. That's fine. I think if you're going to share the pool, I don't know. You just that's just me. I wear a old timey. I have the same bathing costume as Mark Twain. I saw pictures of him in Bermuda, and I was like, "Oh, Mark!" But I have the same one. I always wear a shirt when I bathe in public, and uh, I know we're also we're, try to wear trunks down to my to about mid calf. Then I feel comfortable. And uh, that's because I'm there. Hey, I'm there to feel the water on my skin. Not, not the gaze of, uh, who knows? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just joking. I don't go to the beach or go swimming. But if I did, I think I wonder what I would wear. And they used to call it a costume. So I'm thinking I would wear something like fancy dress. I might maybe a superhero costume or something to go swimming in. I don't know. It depends on what the water is. You know, a lot of the pools have chlorine in them. I don't know if I want that touching my skin. So I might wear some full rubber suit or something like that. Or if I'm in the ocean, God knows what's in there. I might wear some kind of full rubber suit or a, I might wear a submarine. I'd like to be that. How's, what's the largest submarine you could have? Could you have a submarine that's almost the size of the sea? And then what would it be? Would it still be a submarine? How, how big does it have to be? Well, it has to submerge. So it can't be bigger than the depth of the space that it's in. Just if you're wondering. Then it's not a sub anything. So uh, I don't know. I'm not designing anything here. I'm just trying to help out. Now, I know you want to get back to the action. Say, I want to know what, come on, get back to the show. Well, this is the show also. You know that life is like that a lot. And I hate to break this to you, that you're not going to see the next installment of whatever movie series that you're interested in. It's not going to happen. You always, I always think of that acutely. If I ever get interested in it, it hasn't happened in a long time. So, you know, when the next one comes out in two years, you go, oh, I hope I make it. But in reality, I don't care. And in reality, I sort of resent any kind of serial things in art because that's the way life is really like that. Just endless cliffhangers, endless to be continues, so it never resolves. 
So sometimes I like fake life, which is art. Let's see if it resolve, just for fun, to see what it feels like. I would like that. I know it's not real. I just want to see it all come together for me. So tell me the answer. Tell me the answer. Dying Gertrude Stein, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what's on your dying Gertrude Stein mind. Oh, nothing much. I'm not thinking about the same days you are. That's not the way Gertrude Stein sounded. I'm pretty sure they have, a, they have recordings of, of her voice. And that isn't, uh, and th- that isn't it. But in my version, it is, because that's the version I'm doing is clearly not the real Gertrude Stein. And so you wouldn't want it to sound like it. That'd be like I'm trying to fake something. Uh, somebody called me, a relative called me, and said that they were trying to get recommendations for, for uh, art they wanted for something. And they kept saying they wanted it to look like, and they kept naming a famous artist that they couldn't afford. And I was like, man, what you're doing? <laughs> Do you see what you're doing there? You know, uh, you're, you're what, do something original. See, want something that, uh, believe in something before it's believed in. Oh, I'll tell you. I accept, you know what I accept? I accept, uh, well, like they used to say on the, any kind of payment. No, I don't require payment. I want, it makes me nervous. Why are you paying me? I saw someone, I think it was, uh, Jason Momoa or something had a video came up on my YouTube and he's saying, I only lift weights if they pay me to. And I thought, man, that's when I would stop lifting weights because I'd be like, what, why, do you, why are you paying me? It feels like now I owe you something. You know what I mean? Like you're paying me, it's never equitable. So what are you trying to exploit? What are you trying to get from me? Because now you've taken the joy out of me lifting these weights. And although I like to get paid and I have to eat, I'll tell you, it does always feel like, oh, here we go. So it's a, a, what a beautiful thing to do something. Gratis, which means with cheese. That's how I interpret it. So I like doing, I like my free art. feels better to me. Like giving you something feels better than of us coming to your house selling you brushes, which they used to do. They'd come around to your house. They'd go knock, knock, knock. And maybe they knew not to sell my family Bibles. So maybe they switched back and forth. I got brushes in this case, Bibles in this case. Take a good look at the house, pick a case. So they came in with the fuller brushes. I don't want to tout a company. I shouldn't have said it. I don't know if they still are doing the door-to-door. If they are, they have probably a fatality rate now among the salesmen. But they used to bring the brushes right there and they'd, they'd open the door and there's a bald fella like myself and they go, <laughs> but you could, sir, do you have back hair? And they'll sell you a long handled brush. And I think, thank you. You're looking out because you go to the, a lot of times you go to the regular store and they just have the one kind of brush. I have a couple hairs. I want a very tiny one. And so I'm having to go to the toy store, the hobby store and get a little doll brush. But this, fella had one in his case the size of just two hairs and I thought thank you that's a bald man paradox we talked about that for a while too he likes to talk about those kind of things logical logic problems which I'm a walking one of uh am gosh I wish I could sometimes I want to think straight 
You know, I want to think linearly. I don't want to go flying back and forward through time, and which has happened to me because of the machine that I inherited. Who did you inherit it from? Not my biological family. I inherited it from the family of my art admiration. I inherited my time machine from the radio and the world of radio. Because in a world of radio, there are so many things to inherit. A lot of it is buried treasure. You say, is that inheritance if you dig it up and steal it? Let me think for a moment. None of it was given to me uh, willingly, I don't think. I took it. It was uh, there. It was, it was free. Radio is a free smorgasbord. There I said it. Smorgasbord, or what we would now call a buffet or a buffet. It depends where you're from. Is it, it's buffet, uh, the vampire killer. A lot of people don't know that. It's also Seizu Pits, not Zazu Pits. Seizu. I don't know why people can't get things like that correct. It doesn't bother me at all, first of all. I'm just saying it because, well, I have, they gave me an hour. Now, if they'd give me five minutes to speak to you, I would distill it. Oh, I would distill it. But distilled things can be dangerous, like spirits. Oh, great spirit. Are you a distilled thing? Now I'm teaching you how to interpret Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol because the spirits are literally different types of boozes that he drinks three different times in the evening. That's why he almost dies and falls in his own grave by the last one. The last one is like really something powerful, cask strength. And he gets really, really messed up. So much so that he develops some sort of Morality. I think that I've thought about this Dickens thing a long time, and, and here's the interesting thing, that clearly Scrooge is not, he might be a, he might be a psychopath. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, but it, but it seems like he may have a conscience. I'm not sure what the ghosts are appealing to. Is his, his fear of um, punishment? which he could be a psychopath and still develop some sort of practical morality? Or is he someone who does have the ability to have empathy and has repressed it for some reason? As a, maybe as a form of self-punishment, which is what it looks like in this case. Well, how do you like it? That's the score to your new superhero movie, Pinchas the Zealot. <gasps> it's amazing. Is that an entire orchestra? No, it's a machine of my own invention called the synthesizer. The synthesizer. Well, I said it wrong, but there you go. The synthesizer. I love it. Anyway, I wrote the theme and the script and everything is in place and all you need to do is pony up the dough. 
So, uh, how much are you thinking? Well, what year is this? 1933. And I'll make the pictures for you. You better not be lying. Please stand by. Please continue to stand by. Stand by. What the heck? What's going on? We're in a boat? Who are these people? Is this a funeral? What? Is it? Where'd they go? Where'd who go? The funeral. <laughs> what funeral? Oh. We're on a boat. Yeah, we're on a boat. Thank God. When I was a young person, my friends and I stumbled upon a magical second-hand shop. It was one of those antique shops where there was just wall-to-wall knick-knacks, treasures maybe, or garbage maybe. They were things lined up that used to be useful, one of them left-handed bacon squeezers and all from the 19th century. All those wonderful things, dolls that looked like demons. And so we walked inside this shop and we browsed around, and one of us found a box, and the box was intriguing to us because it seemed to have magical markings on it, some sort of language that was indecipherable to us, young people with a grasp of every knowledge, and uh, knowledge rather of every uh, uh, language that has ever been. Most of us are polyglots and higher, not uh, like 10th Dan. So we were uh, looking at this box and we opened it up, and inside there was a cape, a magical cape, and an inscription on the inside of the box, and it said to say these incantations, and if you did and you put on this cape, it would give you the ultimate superpower, and that was the ability to have anything that you could imagine. So, well, we couldn't, couldn't think of anything, so. But, uh, so a lot of things are missed opportunities, you know? And uh, it's hard to get things together once you, once you, people really start grilling you about your dreams. You go, well, I don't, actually, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, and that's what happened to us. And you won't get your superpower that way, which is fine. I've seen these motivational videos and they go, they won't get what you really want unless you absolutely have tunnel vision. You give up everything and go, well, I don't know. And then no, <laughs> maybe it's. That's uh, overrated. I just kind of, I'll just drift, I'll careen. No, you can't do that. Why? Why? Is there some sort of finish line or something? 
I guess if there's an afterlife, my goodness, I don't know. I subscribe to a couple different afterlife magazines to figure out what's going on in each one. I like to read up. It's like when you get the paper from a town you're about to move to. So I say, look, let me see whatever is the periodical that's popular in your heaven. Uh, set me up. I'm going to start reading it. Say, so, oh, there's certainly a lot of absence of crime. And they go, well, that's because people are in heaven sort of lacked substance. And so it's hard to pick someone's pocket when there's nothing to pick it and there's no pocket to pick and there's no fingers. So that's the thing. And there's no greed because you don't know, you need nothing. So there's no need or want. I have that. Sometimes I have that feeling and I've got to go get therapy for it. So please, I'm just sitting around. Oh, are you, are you content or are you terribly depressed? I don't know. I'm not able to tell the difference. I was once transported to a magical tropical island where I could have all access to all the beauty and wonderful foods that a tropical island could provide. Like what? I can't think of, well, not mango. I'm not fond of it. Conch. Conch fritters. I guess they have to be a deep fryer on the island too. Give me back up a minute. <laughs> I got to rethink all this. Uh, I'm not sure where I was. I could have been just somewhere pretty fairly pedestrian. Not pedestrian like, I mean, you can only get there on foot. Those kind of magical places. Oh, my goodness. I like going magical places with you. Can I take you there? Let me take you there. I'll take you there mentally. So I hope you're not looking for any kind of stability because I will, I'm going to upend that. And, and we become what I call mentally unstable together. And that's a wonderful, what a wonderful dreamy world. And then when I'm done with you, can worry, I, you can worry about that. But I'm sure you'll go right back into a, a wonderful reality as we journey out of it together. And I need to do that a lot of times. I need to get outside of my head into my head, into my real head. There's the head, my public head, which you said, that's like a toilet, right? It is if on, on a boat, I suppose. But yes, it's a bit of like a toilet. The head is like a toilet in many ways, where it has deposits from many people, have, have put things into your head, stored them there, as it were. I'll do it into this ear hole here, and, no, and that'll just go away. But it doesn't. It goes into your brain, and it really is the sort of waste product of previous thinking. And that goes in there, and then you say, well, what can I do with all this waste material? I will grow things. And now I'm lost. I guess somebody has some sort of seeds come in the other ear. I don't know how it goes. But uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ideological doo-doo in your head then. And so you have to have a separate one, a separate one that you keep clean. And what's in that one? Nothing. Well, what do you think about when you're in there? Nothing. It's all, it's very, it's just white. It's like the matrix when there's nothing in it. Uh, wouldn't it be dark? It's not dark or white. It's nothing. There's nothingness. It's a nothing, a head full of nothing, which I've been told that I have, and I went looking for it. And my goodness, they were all correct. There is nothing in my head, really. But I like to go, so I go back to the poopy one and play around in there. It's more fun. The empty one is nice. It's nice to know it's there. 
but I prefer the one that's been befilthed by previous human beings that have come in with their stupid ideas and put them in there. Come on, dump it all in, like television. I have no culture. Just pour something in there. I don't mind if it was cynical or you were trying to really, uh, you were trying to sell me breakfast cereal and I thought I mistook it as a, as a, a sort of a religion or something or ways of my elders. And so I would look up to people, especially people who had titles like Cap'n Crunch or King Vitamin. I looked up to those figures. And I don't know, there was no Prince Sugar, but I'm sure there was other people like that. The clowns and everything who, tout, who touted these sugary cereals. And I thought that was our way. That was, a, that was what we ate. That was the, the, the manna. Because, you know, it... it it provides sustenance. It's sweet, and yet it has all these vitamins and minerals in it. This must be from the gods. And so I thought that the people on the television selling me the cereal and entertaining me with these tales, these wonderful tales of a mythical past in bedrock, that this was my culture. And that if I was to go to a sort of church based on that, they would read the stories that happened to the Flintstones are before them, the Honeymooners are before them, Abraham and Sarah and their wacky adventures. That was a fun thing. You know when the, you know when the show got wrecked for me? Abraham and Sarah's when the, I brought on Isaac, when they probably brought on the kids. I was like, oh, this is stupid now. Now it's dumb. Because in like the third season or so, they get Sarah pregnant. And she's, oh, these are old people. So that's really dumb, and they bring on this Isaac character, and he's like, Ooh. kind of a loser. And uh, so they lost me then, and that's when I, I turned down. That first season, though, you're not going to top that. That first season of the Bible, and then it just gets it gets weirder and weirder, all the spinoffs and everything. But um, they don't know when to quit. Your Uncle Bumps is here, Project Soup Can, Fear of the Woodhouse Room, Society. All the dirt right here, don't think I can fear the past, transgress like transgress man can. I got a horse right here, giant cart pulling kind, head the size of a vanity, a thousand pounds. There are trains near here, I feel them, the ground shakes like it does when rocks break apart. Moons and suns, leave your son behind, Daniel Boone, woods and ghosts, woods and ghosts, father, mother. Don't bother other brother, work in the morning, work at night, paid in the morning, start what it gets like. From the magic formula, place flowers at the graves of bakers and grave diggers, friends. I don't have a knife, I don't have a sharp knife. The rules are different in the foreign city. People don't have the same signs on ships or store walls and such. Drink much, your flies open. You probably have more in the bank than Frank, what's his name, or Croesus. I got mine, you'll get pieces. Tall ships you can rent out for parties. Seaside communities have seasonal parties and Bacardi shots. Dark, dark, dark place thoughts. Lights at the ends of tunnels mutate. Water fountains look like dancing people when you hallucinate. Mall clearing behavior, flavor saver. Math of people with no sense of time. Laugh at people who don't get jokes about grand cocus or flowers or your alma mater. Get to the every community water meeting. Stand up for the rights of the well-meaning. Ring bells at the funerals of elven muralists and firemen. Silence.
is golden. Noise is golden. Hearing is jewelry making. Speaking is silversmithing. If you can dance, you're doing something akin to glass blowing. I have sat perfectly still and made throne rooms, palaces. I sat looking at my hands and noticed ceramic Rococo animals forming between my fingers, craning their necks when I point. What I'm saying is, I am experiencing my world into being. WFMU East Orange. Welcome to the fun room. I'm so glad you're here. Give me a second. Let me flip the switch and bring us into the present. The sound quality will be better. A lot of times I'll forget and I'll leave it on past. And you know it's all compressed and it's hissy and everything. But now we are in future times. Oh, you can hear me. Just like I'm in your own head. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm just you speaking to yourself. You go, no, that you don't sound like me. All right. Well, I have voices in my head that don't sound like me necessarily, I think. Well, you should get help. No, you know what I mean. I have other... Do, I, do you know what I mean? I don't mean they're, they're not... They're in my control. But, uh, but sometimes they'll be like... So I'd say, like, I don't... So oh, I'm not going to... I shouldn't steal that. You know, there's some gold laying out. And I'm just walking by it so no one would notice if I stole this gold. There'll be a voice in my head, I'm going, don't steal that gold. I know it's me, though, but it will be in a little funny voice. I don't know why that is. Maybe it knows that I'll probably listen to it better if I can tell where the voices are coming from. If you're trying to do the angel and devil thing in your head, you can't give them the same voice because you won't know where the advice is coming from. Was that the angel? Was that the devil? They sound the same. You should take the gold. No, you shouldn't. Yes, you should. No, you shouldn't take the gold. Take the gold. It's the right thing to do. Don't take the gold. It's the right thing to do. No. You know. Take the gold. It's the right thing to do. No, you shouldn't take the gold. Like that. That's how you have to do it. Well, you can flip it. You know, if you don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, have any kind of bias towards one or the other, towards right or wrong. I want to give them equal weight. And then we'll see what to do, whether the right thing or the wrong thing. No, my logic is flawed. You can see that if you've been to elementary school, even if you hadn't. A lot of people are home taught by themselves, you know, and say, oh, I'm, I'm, self, I'm a self-taught everything. I taught myself to read. I don't think I did. I wonder, though, you know, I wonder. I remember hearing language and then being able to talk about it. And then I guess people pointed out the sounds of different things. And uh, I knew by the time the television show came on with the puppets that was telling you how, I was like, this is stupid. I know how to, I know how to read and write and written. I know all this stuff already. But then, joke's on me, because about the time that Sesame Street got to algebra and stuff, I, was, I thought it was too good for me, and I wasn't paying attention, and I didn't learn anything. And I could be sending, I could be sending rockets to, to Mars or somewhere right now. 
I wouldn't know how to get them back or anything. Just the one-way kind. But still, I don't, I, you know, all those avenues were cut off to me. All those options because I just didn't, I was too proud to admit what I didn't know. But now I'm a lifelong learner because I'm trying to catch up. And I think that's fine. We're always learning. No one knows everything. Some people know more than you. I know that's hard to fathom. And sometimes you can get real angry and frustrated and say, it can't be. You know, their knowledge must be, you know, somehow not as good as mine, which is good old-fashioned common sense. They just learned a lot of things in professional school. Well, I mean, some people do have more knowledge. And maybe they've made a greater effort. And I think they should get some, you know, maybe some uh, payoff for that or something. Some, because that's great. So I don't think that my sort of dumb guy knowledge is equal to someone's schooling. <laughs> that said, I believe that I'm a philosopher. No, I don't believe. I'm just kidding you. I'm just a friend and not everybody has to be an expert at something. I hope. I certainly, even as a hobby, you know, you get older, you go, well, now we're all kind of equal. Everybody's not, you're not the head of a corporation anymore. We're all just hanging around this place now. But there's always somebody who turns their hobby into the absolute, you know, the focus of all their energies, the main pursuit of their life. I will be now the best at this hobby. And they go all in on the hobby. And you go, man, is there anything? You should just take up a sub-hobby to do in a half-arsed way, because this you're never going to really relax unless you do something carelessly, which is like I like to do a lot of things. I mean, if they're not life or death, I like to do them in a half-hearted. They say half-hearted, but my heart, my heart is fully in doing a partial job. So I don't think it's half-hearted. Oh, you can. It's just the, without the stress of like music. You know, not everybody's. And if you're going to be bad, don't expect, though, to be on a stage or something. All right, Hart, I took your advice. I can't get any gigs. Yeah, so I should have mentioned the second part. So somebody might not pay you for your paintings, but that doesn't mean that you can't get an equal amount of joy out of them as someone who is an expert. Just don't go looking for the, the big paycheck, maybe. But then if you do put time and energy in something... Then who knows? Sky's the limit. So I took my hobby, which is what? Dust collecting. And I became the best dust collector. And now I'm thick with it. Thick cover with a thick layer of dust and an alternate layer of grease so that you can't even get the dust off. What am I? You're uh, the frame of a picture in the kitchen. Yes. I like to play little games like that. Are you like, do you like parlor games? Those are ones that you can only play in like parlors, like an ice cream parlor or pizza parlor. And I'm not sure what distinguished them. I'm trying to think of some of them. Um, but one's called B. I can't say it on the radio, but bulls, none of them. BS. Somebody gets up and starts saying something, and you go, BS! Like that. And they have to sit down. There's charades where you get up and you have to act something out. Sometimes without saying it. Sometimes we do another form of charades where you get up and you go, I'm scissors, I'm scissors, I'm cutting. Um, it's a little easier because the, the other one can get so frustrating and maybe nobody ever gets it and you're there all day. We don't want that. We want to get all, go home at some point. We don't want to get stuck in the parlor. 
and they have to close. I mean, the poor kids. There's usually kids who run parlors. And uh, I just want to get home. Are you guys done? Yes. It's just a minute. I can't get what this guy's doing. He's making, ah, what's he waving? And uh, a lot of, in comedies, a lot of times people be waving their arms and there's somebody behind you with a weapon. But you think it's part of the charades. And um, that's funny. That's expectation when things kind of are opposite of your expectations. They're funny or disappointing. So I was expecting your show to be witty and, and funny. And now my expectations have not been met. And somehow, you know, that's not, it's not the good kind of surprise. So, you know, it, can, it depends which direction it goes. You know, am I getting more than I bargained for or less? And did you bar? Why are you bargaining? Just pay the price. That's what I do on sometimes on. Oh, I just I think I put a bid in on something on online I forgot about. I guess I didn't get it. I hope not. Um, now I'm being sued for not buying some 70s jacket or something. I forget. Oh, my God. I don't want to hurt anybody. I do have a sense of, I try to have a sense of morality, how to, rules about how to treat other people based on how I'd like to be treated. But I have a lot of, not a lot of experience in commerce. So those are the, some of the weakest rules. I don't know what's cool and what's not cool. Generally, I don't want to deprive somebody of money they need. Uh, so there's, that's a rule that I have. Oh, my goodness. What about someone's time? Well, it depends. I don't mind. I don't want to just waste it. I don't mind if they volunteer to have it wasted. Like if you come in and say, okay, now you may get something, you may not. This is content gambling. This is no experience is guaranteed because I'm offering you something that depends on what you take away. So I don't know. You might get nothing or you might get something. But my, my goodness, you can't, I, no guarantee for a live full drop. So you come in here and we get it on for an hour, but no live full drop guarantee. You get what you get. But that's you could get something miraculous. <sighs> like a racehorse. Like the future. Like the past. A bit of the past and turn it into a future. Put Modify it. Add on to stuff on it. And there you go, and you've got the future. I'd like to do that. That's why I have a, my, my time machine is no machine at all. I say that so you people won't come and steal it. It is, in fact, one. And uh, I've been proving it now for, for a little while. Some of you are catching on. Um, and some of you are, are saying, oh, it's just it's, you're, you're talking about the imagination or you're talking about how experience jumbles time and memory and all that, or am I? Or is it literally bouncing back and forth in time? Are you remembering or are you jumping back and forth in time? Are you imagining the future or are you jumping back and forth in time? Well, how do you prove it? Well, I tie a little string to myself and to the lamp and then I see what happens. Usually within a few hours, I find it broken and I know that I've been somewhere. So that's what that's happens. And uh, you can do these similar experiments. A lot of them are thought experiments. That doesn't mean that I haven't made a cloud of noxious gas that has formed me out, forced me out of my own head. I do this. This happens. Lab is lab. And even when it's internal, there are things that can go wrong. You can dump the wrong chemical into the wrong beaker. 
And then this idea forms this kind of bubbles over some strange thing. This odor wafts out of it. It's an odor of uh, despair or, or accident, something that shouldn't be. You can tell that that is an unnatural smell that I have, uh, I have produced. And I hope I never produce one in front of you, my, my friend. I don't want to do that. Oh, my goodness. May all the odors that come from me be pleasing. I hope that's part of my prayer. I'm going to add that to my prayers now. May I smell good. But then the Lord says, there's something you can do about that. And I say, what? Well, you can use this. It's completely organic. And it kills odors and prevents odors from forming. Really? Does it have any unnatural... Uh, I'm not selling anything particular. I'm just trying to think if I can generate ad copy for organic products spontaneously. Because I imagine, I feel like, sometimes I feel like a like biological artificial intelligence. Like my brain is some sort of program to just gobble stuff up that's already been and just rearrange it, make it seem original. It's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I did that when I was writing uh, uh, earlier in the show. You probably heard the theme from the superhero movie. So I wrote that. That has about 13 parts or something like that. But I, I feel like I stole every one of them, but from a different place. And then jam them together. And then you say, well, that sounds like a superhero theme. Yes, but it's me. It's just me. Uh, artificial intelligent, you know, guy. And because uh, I didn't come up with any of it. The brain, the thing I'm using is not even my idea. It came with the, the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. I love being with you. I hope I've made your, your day a little brighter or lighter or something. I hope I haven't added anything bad to it, at least. Oh, it feels so good to be together, to be alive together. If you're listening to this, we're alive at the same time, and that's miraculous, even if it's an instant. And it, it does happen to be an instant. Oh, my word. May we elevate this moment now into eternity. Oh, cherish it. Let it electrify us. Let us feel the maximum amount of joy from it. Let's get all the juice out of this thyme lemon. Roll it on the counter before you cut the lemon. Release those juices, then slice it open. Here we have the moment. It won't last forever. You got to use the lemon juice while it's still fresh. Squeeze it. We savor it together. Oh, my goodness. It feels good to be alive with you, my friend. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County, and New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org worldwide. Oh, my friends, thank you for joining me on this radio show. It is a blessing to be together, and I hope that we can be together many more times, but we've actually already been together plenty, so we don't want to push it. We can always revisit the past and make it into a brand new present. And how do we do that? By stealing parts of my show and putting a beat to them. Please steal the show. Please put me into your eternity. 
Park me into your heart and your mind so that we may be together for many, many years to come, even when we are no longer part of this universe and this earth. Oh, my friends, thank you for joining me, and I will see you again next week.
Thank <laughs> you.